all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Ah, feel the woe with Listerine at BJ's. You can save $2.50 now on Listerine products like Total Care Anti-Cavity Fluoride Fresh Mint Mouthwash or Cool Mint Pocket Packs Fresh Breath Strips at your nearest BJ's location. Experience the feeling of a million germs zapped in seconds with Listerine. Discount available through December 24th. Save now only at BJ's. You're about to experience the life-giving teaching of Bishop Kevin Foreman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center. To find out more about Dr. Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And no matter what, remember, love God, love people, and love life. Let's go ahead and lift your Bibles. Huh? Let's get right into it. And uh, we're, gonna, we're in a series of teachings called Epic. Everybody say Epic. And uh, we're going to go another further in that today. Say, I was not created created. to be average or mediocre. mediocre. I was created to be epic. Let's make our confession of faith together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. It gives me abundant life. I am not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word teaches me that I am more than a conqueror. My spirit and my mind are prepared to receive and apply the message. Hallelujah. One scripture we're going to look at, 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Anybody believe what we just finished doing? Hallelujah. 2 Peter chapter 1 and uh, verse number 3. Uh, that scripture we just went to a moment ago in Genesis, uh, that has been in my spirit for uh, a few days now, and uh, I wasn't sure which experience to release it to, uh, but it was you. Second Peter 1, 3, you got it? If you're still flipping, say, hold on, Bishop. All right, all right, I'll wait for you. Amen. One, two, three. All right, here we go. Uh, verse 3, you can just look on the screens here. It says, as his divine power has given us what? All things. Now, I know you may feel like something's missing. And I know you might feel like something is lacking. And I know you may feel like you don't really have what it takes. But didn't nobody ask you that. The book says, as his divine power has given. You know what that means? Past tense. Touch your neighbor and say, it's already in you. Baby, that idea is already in you. That, that, that desire is already in you. The skill, the know-how, it's already in you. As his divine power has given to us all things. Shout all things. Shout it again. That pertain to what? To your life. Now, n- not the life you want to live. The life he wants you to live. So some of the stuff you don't have is because that's the life you want to live. But he says, I gave you one life to live, and it's the one I want you to live. 
He's given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Father, I decrease that you might, that you might increase. Father, I pray now that you would do signs, miracles, and wonders, that they would manifest even as this simple yet profound word goes forth. I pray now, Father, that you would tailor, make, customize this word for us, your people, that we might move and walk in everything that you have ordained. Your word says you have given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness and so now we receive that and now we walk in that revelation it is in jesus name we pray somebody shout hallelujah, hallelujah. as you take your seats out five two or three people and say my life is structured for success I want to move through this expeditiously now so that we can get to the conclusion of our journey rather quickly. Now, the word epic means heroic or grand in scale and character, impressive and remarkable. In fact, it means a word and a song. Look at your neighbor and say, you are a word. Look at the other one say, you are a song. God did not create you to be average. God did not create you to just suck up air. God did not create you to just pay bills. God did not create you to just go from drama to drama to drama. God created you for your life to be epic. Somebody say epic. Now, to be epic, though, we must begin living by intention versus experimentation. When we live by experimentation, we're doing this, doing this, doing this, hope it works, hope it sticks. Instead, God has given to us a plan. Say a plan that allows us to live our lives intentionally. And this often begins with applying small things that can make a big difference. Say small things. Big difference. Uh, now watch this. Week one, we began talking about creating an epic culture for an epic life. Your dreams, your vision, your plans, your goals mean nothing if your culture is not conducive for it. Let me prove it to you. There are some of you that when you began to make positive changes in your life, because you went back around the same old people, you could not make the positive changes. Because when you went around negative people, that negative culture messed up your positive change. Tell your neighbor, say, get your culture right. Then week two, we talked about a God first life. Hear me. God is not a side chick. You will not have him when you want something from him. God says he's going to be number one every day, all day, which means God says he's got to be first. Somebody say first. Which means God says, if you love me, the scripture says, do what I say. And if I love God, I put him first. To put him first means whatever's important to him becomes important to me. Y'all remember the movie Coming to America? And you remember the movie early in um, the early scenes when Hakeem uh, was, uh, they brought in the woman that Hakeem was going to be marrying. And he asked her, he said, well, what kind of food you like? What's she say? Whatever kind of food you like. God says, that's what I want to hear from you. I'm tired of hearing, God says, about what you want. God says, when are you going to ask me what I want? I'm going to help somebody in here today. Please understand, your life would be so much easier if you stopped trying to do it your way. Your way ain't worked for 38 years. Your work ain't worked for 50-something years. You 60-something. You should have more to show for your life than that. Your way ain't been working, and it's not going to work. Touch your neighbor and say, give him what he wants. So don't stop talking. Because here's what we do. We say, well, Lord, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And we never stop to say, well, what do you want? Because a lot of the stuff you go through and call it the devil, God says, well, that was just you. You did that. I didn't tell you to do that. That's why I didn't pay for it. Say he's first. All right. Number three, uh, week three, we talked about rising up. How Jesus said to the man who had been in condition for 38 years, he says to that man, rise up. Somebody say I'm rising up. I'm going to tell you, maybe you ain't been to church in 10 years. This first time you come to church, I'm going to tell you, you came to the right one, baby. Because God says, I don't care what you've been in. I don't care what you've been stuck in. I don't care what depression you've been in. I don't care what discouragement you've been in. You better be like the Atlanta Falcons, baby. You better come on up in here and rise up. Somebody shout, rise up. 
Can I tell you something? I, I, I have been trying to change my routine to where I wake up uh, uh, way vastly earlier than I normally do. And one of the things I discovered is sometimes I'd wake up and I'd be up, but, but, but I would be immobile. I'd be immobile because I think, oh, I need some more sleep. Because getting up at that time where it's still dark, that's just ain't something that I practice. Now, I work hard, uh, but I just like to work hard in the middle of the day. I know some of y'all like you like to wake up with the rooster and all is here and that's nice and we thank God for you. That ain't my testimony, but I'm trying. I wanted to try something different. Watch this. So, so I get up and I open my eyes and I, and I just be laying there and then I be like, oh, I need some more sleep. I need some more sleep. And, and, and then, you know, my phone's always ringing. I'm always on the phone. I'm always doing something. I'm always handling business. I'm always handling business. And so my phone's ringing because handling business is a lifestyle. So, so I'm handling business. So, so my phone will ring, and then I'll say, say shoot, I got to take this car. I got to deal with this. And then all of a sudden, when I was just saying 10 seconds earlier, I need some more sleep, when I get up, all of a sudden, this burst of energy comes. And I'm like, where'd that come from? You understand what I'm saying? Some of you say, well, I just think I need to be in this another year. I just think it's going to take longer for God to get me out of this. The moment you make a decision to get up, God says all the energy you need, all the grace you need, all the favor you need, just make a decision, baby, to stop being average. Just make a decision to stop being jacked up and everything you need. Week four, we talked about say thank you, about how there were 10 lepers that had an issue. They had an issue. Jesus said, go to church. Uh, a lot of people like to have Jesus on their own terms, but Jesus said, you got an issue, go to church. And so in that particular issue, uh, uh, 10 of them were there. Only one of them came back to say thank you. And that one, he got something better than what the other uh, uh, nine got. That one was made whole while the other ones were cleansed, which means that when we have an attitude of gratitude, that's what's here on the stage and here now. From last week's 11:15 a.m. experience, we had people write things they were down that they were thankful for. And then I challenge you, no matter what you face this week, just say what? And so the other day, uh, the other day, the other day, I had every system that could fail, fail. My, my Bluetooth wasn't syncing with my car. My internet was down. Other internet was down. Every, that hailstorm had messed up stuff. It, it just all, and, I, and no system was working. And, and can I be honest? At first, I forgot to say thank you. I did. At first, I forgot to say thank you. And at first, I was like, I told somebody, I said, if this phone, I said, if you don't hear from me the rest of the day, it's because I threw the phone at the wall. <laughs> so I said, that's just, just, just Skype me or email me or something like this, because that just means the phone is giving up the ghost because it's disobedient. And disobedience should be punished with death. That's the Bible. The wages of sin is death. It should die. <laughs> now, 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 you may think this is not a big deal, but it literally, it slowed down my entire progress and I do not enjoy being slowed down. I do not enjoy my workflow being slowed down. I do not like it being interrupted. I do not like it being slowed down. And so every system that could not work was not working. I mean, Skype was down. Everything was down. Everyone, nothing working. And, and, and it may seem simple to you and it was very simple, but the principle came in. I, I said, wait a minute. Just say because me being mad at a phone now, you, some of you are saying, I can't believe that, Bishop. You get mad about some, some you mad because the lady forgot to bring you two potatoes rather than a potato and a vegetable. You said, she heard what I said. I don't know why she didn't bring me what I asked for because she got an attitude. Is there a problem, ma'am? You know, listen, you get mad of all kinds of stuff. Somebody say, thank you. 
No matter what you face, no matter how seemingly insignificant it is, we have one responsibility, and that responsibility is to possess an attitude that has gratitude because it brings plenitude, which means abundance, a lot. Does your neighbor say, I want a lot? Uh Now, to see the imagery of a small thing that makes a big difference, look at this door. Look at this door right here. Look at this door right here. That is the door. Now, some of you were here at the 915, so I'm just going to tell you because they're going to try to cheat and say what they know like they knew the whole time. That is the door to the most powerful home on the planet, the White House. Uh, Who sits in that house controls the flow of the world. Say that door. It's the front door of this, of this, of, of the White House. Got it? It's the North Portico. Got it? So, so now go back to the door. Anybody see that door? That's a big door, ain't it? That's a nice door. This is circa 1992. This is circa 1992. I think Clinton was coming in around that time. Uh, was it? No, the Bush. Bush one. H.W. was in. That's a nice door. Ain't that a nice door? Look at all that nice uh, ornation that they have there. Isn't that fancy? Look at all of that. That's nice. Ain't that nice? Doesn't it say that's a nice door? I don't know about you, but a nice door can dress up some messy stuff. You ever been somewhere and like, ooh, that house is a mess, but that door, God, talk. The ladies might have an appreciation for what I'm saying, going to look at houses, you're like, nah, I don't like that one, but look at that door, though. Look at that door. Let's just see what's in there. Now, now here's what I need you to understand. That is a big door that control, that behind that door is the most powerful man on the planet as it relates to authority. Say power. But now watch this. I got to go through that door to get to the seat of power. But I can't get through that door if the hinges on that door are out of order. You not hear what I'm saying. God says there's some great stuff that I've ordained for your life. And it's not that the door's not been there. It's that your hinges have been messed up on the door. And the hinges are your structure and your systems in life. Okay, let me make this plain. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. I can't get through that door to get to the most powerful seat of authority in the planet if the hinges are out of order. Say out of order. Okay. We're gonna we finna align your life today. Because everything, every hinge that's been out of order, we're gonna set that stuff in order today. It's quiet up in here. Because you sitting there fighting with the door when all you have to do is fix the hinge. You sitting here cussing the door when all you have to do is fix the hinge. All right, watch this. The Bible says that God has given you everything you need for life, which means if something is lacking, it's probably not God. It's probably your structure, which is the sum total of your systems, which in this imagery we're using are the hinges on the door. Say the hinges on the door. Many people, not you, you're spiritual, but somebody you know can't succeed because their lives aren't structured to succeed because their systems are built to fail. You ever met somebody who everything they do seems totally counterintuitive to what they say they want? Y'all, 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 y'all ain't saying that to me. They say they want a friend, yet they lie to the people that are their friends. It's quiet up in here. Uh, all right, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. The Bible shows us that God often uses broken people. Say broken people. To do extraordinary things, but broken people can't keep using broken systems. Now, what I love about God is that God says, I have a preference on using folk that come to me jacked up. Which is good news for you and I, because you maybe have been perfect all your life. But I know I got some stuff. I don't know who else I'm talking to in here. 
that ain't quite always been quite right and ain't quite always been perfect and ain't quite always been the way it should have been. So what excites me that he uses broken people is that that makes me a candidate too. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? He'll use a Jacob that's a cheater, but God. He'll use a Peter that's fickle and angry, but God. He'll use a David that has an affair and sets up a man that he should have loved and protected, but he sets him up to die, but God. He used a drunk called Noah, but God. Jonah was a runner, but God. Paul was a murderer. Gideon was insecure. Miriam was a gossip. Martha was a warrior. Thomas was a doubter. Elijah was depressed. Moses was too merciful. Zacchaeus was too short. Abraham was too old. Sarah was a madam setting up her husband with another woman. Lazarus was dead. Rahab was the town whoremonger. She had been had by everybody in the city. And whatever your story is, there's a comma, but I wish I had somebody in here that could shout about, but God, you used to be this, used to be that, used to be this, but don't you judge my future by my past because there's a but. And what I like about God is he likes big butts and he cannot lie. Yes, he does. When other people count you out, his big butt will step in and say, no, I've called this one. I've chosen this one. I Touch your neighbor and say, but God. So watch this. <laughs> the Bible calls many of these people, many of these people appear in Hebrews 11, which is called the Hall of Fame of Faith. Many of these people were called people of great faith. Say great faith. Great faith. These were the curse breakers in their bloodline. Say, I'm the curse breaker. Please understand, that means everything that's in your bloodline is jacked up. You were born to fix it. In fact, that's why he sent you, to be the one to interrupt the dysfunction. But if you don't see yourself that way, watch this, watch this. All these people were broken. Say broken. broken. All these people had issues. Say issues. issues. All these people were jacked up at some point. Say jacked up. jacked up. And that's good news for you and me. You and I, excuse me. Watch this, watch this. But nothing in your life, you can, you can be curse breaker all day long. You can shout in here all day long. You can clap all day long. You can say the Lord is getting ready to grant my plea all day long. But nothing in your life is changing until your structure changes. And your structure won't change until your systems do. Can I tell you something? Especially, 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 you're real spiritual and you're real humble and you're real teachable. But your neighbor, let me talk to them for a minute. They seem to think that they know more than they do. Yet they never consult their fruit to see if that's true. In fact, they got their own little illegal counseling practice. Trying to counsel everybody else on what to do. Yet their fruit is jacked. Their systems are broken. Their structure is broken. And yet, when they hear a message like this, they're like, that's right, Bishop. Preach to this person next to me because my systems is together. Look at me, Horace. I'm talking to you. And I started by talking to me. Just so we're clear about this thing. All right, all right, all right. Check this out. Check this out. Check this out. Uh, hinge one. My note takers, I got three hinges on this door. Three hinges on this door. And hinge one, I've already stated the point, big doors swing on small hinges. We spend most of our time trying to dress up the door, but we never fix the hinge. You spend the time trying to make your marriage better, but you just won't admit you don't really like them. 
You can put as much lipstick on that pig as you can. It's quiet in here. It's real quiet in here. Uh, Bishop, what are you trying to say? We spend a lot of time on the door. Put that nice door up. Put this door nice. Put that nice door up. Come on, put the nice door up. The nice door. See this nice door? Beautiful. Gorgeous. Ooh, child. In the South, when somebody said, ooh, child. And what it's about it is you could even be a man and say, ooh, child. Our pastor friend from the South, he'd be like, child. I said, you are not an 80-year-old church mother. Stop calling me child. (laughs) It's a beautiful door, right? But if those hinges don't work, all the millions perhaps that have been spent over the last uh, 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 century or so, it doesn't really matter. Because if the hinges don't work, the door is not opening. We spend a lot of time in life trying to dress up the door, but we never address the hinges on the door. You spending time trying to put your kids in Jordans and this and that, but you never ever told them to be respectful. Who cares that they look nice, but they act ugly? You got your red bottoms and your, and, and your nice this and your nice that, but you're mean and nasty and cantankerous and you look down at other people. The door looks nice, but the hinges are jacked because you bought that on credit card, which means it ain't even yours yet. All I'm trying to say is, I'm not trying to be judgmental. What I'm trying to get us to understand is this, is that we spend a lot of time dressing the door up, but we don't address the hinges. Now, here's what I need you to do. Revelation 3.8. It says, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door. Say open door. And no one can shut it. What's this? That means even you. An open door is opportunity. Say opportunity. I have set before you an open door, opportunity, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Here's what the Bible doesn't say. The Bible doesn't say, though, that the hinges would keep it closed. Or that the hinges would allow it for it to stay open. See, no, you're missing what I'm saying. He says, I set before you an open door, and you can't shut it. But now if the hinges on it are messed up, oh, well, well, I I didn't say that. You're not getting what I'm saying. You're not not, not, not getting what I'm saying. In other words, God says, God says, watch this. Watch this. Some of the doors that have been shut in your life, here's what you'd even say, because I need to bust something up. Well, God didn't want that for me. God got something better for me. That could be true. Or it could be, that your hinges were jacked and you shut it okay it's quiet in here now because i know in church we want to hear how the devil did this and the devil did this and the devil did that you've been some of you've been sitting up on that kind of preaching for years and it ain't changed nothing you know why because he ain't back there messing with that dough bible says no one can shut it now i like it because it doesn't just say no man can shut it it says no one which means no angel no demon no devil no this no that but not them hinges now, those hinges can be jacked up. Those hinges can be messed up. Check, 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 check this out. Touch your neighbor and say, check your hinges. 
which is the systems of your life, which is the structure of your life. Watch this. Your success or failure in life is derived from your structure, which is the sum total of your systems. I know we haven't heard a lot of this in church, and that's the problem because we've been sitting back saying, Jesus, do it, Jesus, do it, Jesus, do it, Jesus, do it, and Jesus saying, you fix your hinges. Now, now watch this. Don't love the systems of your life. Love the results that come from the systems because sometimes the systems are going to have to change. Do you know what they say most people are afraid of in the world? Change. In fact, a good leadership lesson is don't use the word change because people automatically fear it. Use the word tweak. It means the same, but it doesn't elicit the same response from our psyche. 80% of people are afraid of change. They don't even know what the change is. You could say, I'm getting ready to give you some more money. Huh? But, but, well, I just don't understand what's going on, what's happening. Because we are predisposed to not liking change. Because you had to fight so hard to get to where you got that now you're like, I just wanted to stay this way. But God says, I got a more epic way. I got a higher way. I got a better way. And so I'm going to need to change this. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right, so now, so check this out. So, so say my systems. Now, check, check this out. Uh, don't confuse you with your system. Your heart and motives can be right, but your systems can be all wrong. Okay? You can want to be out of debt, but if you keep buying stuff that you don't need. It, it, I mean, see, y'all didn't like that. Y'all wanted to talk about the, the devil attacked you. The devil didn't sign for that Amex. The devil did not sign for that platinum card. Because y'all wealthy here. The devil did not sign for that black card. See, so come on. Somebody going. Here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. Here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. A lot of times we say, well, my motives and my heart are pure, but your motives are wrong. Or, but your systems are wrong. Does this make sense? Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right, all right. So you, you can really want to have a good relationship, whether it's a friendship or a family relationship or whatever. You can want to have a good one. But now, if you walk into that, making them pay for what other people have done, your systems are broken. So it will fail. It's not a matter of if. It is a matter of when. It will. Because your systems are set up to fail. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, all right, watch this. Let me, let me, let me I, I, think, I, I think I need to make this a little bit more clear. Uh, watch this. Often our systems in life are foolish, counterproductive, and counterintelligent. Let me ask you this. Do your life system support what you say you want? So I'm going to go through some, some, some serious examples because, again, I, I'm seeing that we're letting this marinate. And I, I appreciate that you're being very pedagogical and very cerebral in nature and that you're being very uh, astute as you're receiving the word. But I, I need to make sure we're getting it. Touching him say, make sure you get it. So if you're saying you want to lose weight, yet you had some donuts. And not one. Not a half of one because you wanted to dip it in the coffee. You had about four. And that was this morning. Can I suggest to you your system is broken? Can I suggest to you that your mouth and your hands don't match? Your mouth confesses one thing, but your system don't. All right, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Um, if you say, you know what, I want my children to serve God, but you don't. So, so the issue you're going to have is that your systems are broken. It's counterintuitive. It's counterproductive. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? All right, all right. Anybody ever had a bad, a bad experience at a, at a restaurant? Anybody had in the last week? <laughs> now, here's what I need to say. 
Uh, when you have a bad experience, um, a lot of the times, what, what, matter of fact, y'all talk to me, 1115. What was your experience? What was your bad experience? Somebody talk to me. You can shout out. Food was cold. Slow service. Terrible service. Poor waitress. What else? Burnt cookie? A burnt cookie. Okay. All right. What else? Reservation uh, was it was wasn't there, huh? They gave you some broken glass in a bowl. Okay, what else? Lack of respect. Give me one more. Terrible food. Okay, now here's the deal, which is why. See, I got into this thing and said I'm gonna try a new restaurant, and the Lord quickly reminded me about why I shouldn't do that. I said, this is, the, this is awful. Once, once I finished it, I said, now, where am I going to go eat? <laughs> so this is just horrible. I'm mad about it. And what I'm mad about it is that they thought it was good. Like, how did you enjoy that? I'm like, <laughs> you know what I said to them? Because I, I wasn't going to lie to them. I said, this was much better than the previous thing you gave me. Thank you, sir. That's great. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I said, son, I didn't <laughs> say I enjoyed it. <laughs> I didn't tell them that. Here, here's my point. The issues you have, those are bad systems. Now, check this out. Those bad systems have now given you if, poor, slow service. That's a bad system. Poor food. That's a bad system. Somebody should have been tasting it. Okay? It also is just indicative of the city we live in. This is Denver, and Denver doesn't believe in salt and pepper. It's just the truth. You need to know that. They just don't. That's what they put on the table for you because they don't believe in it here. All right? All right? That's just the truth. They don't believe in putting a little fat in, in, the, in, in, the, in the vegetables to help it. Don't give me no uh, b- broccoli that you just steam with some old steam water. Son, put some fat on it. Y'all ain't gonna say, I got one witness. I wish I'd get two. Put some fat on it. Put some butter or put some olive oil. Do something. Don't just give me no, looking all dry and all bit. It's healthy that way. Well, olive oil will make it healthy too. Shine it up. (laughs) Oh, so she says, shine on. (laughs) Put some shine on that broccoli. Now, here's what I need (laughs) to Those are bad systems. Say bad systems. Here's the trip about it. That bad experience you had will now affect whether or not you spend your money there again. But it maybe, maybe the waitress wasn't wrong. Maybe the system the waitress was in was wrong. Maybe the way the food, the system they had set up was wrong. Here's what I'm trying to get you to see. Say systems. Watch this. Paul says this, 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, here's what I like about it is that this tells us a few things. Number one, being, being a man is by choice. Being a male is by birth. Being a female, or excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, I said it wrong. Being a male is by birth. Being a man is by choice. Being a female is by birth. Being a lady is a choice. It's quiet in here. So look what Paul says. Paul says, when I was a little boy, I talked like a little boy. I understood as a little boy, and I thought like a little boy. You know what little boys want? What they want? And they don't care nothing about what else you got going on. Parents, would you please talk to me like you've experienced this with your children? Now, they don't know that it ain't pay week, yet they're asking you for stuff like it is. I got four witnesses. Y'all ain't going And they don't care that it ain't your pay week. As far as they're concerned, this is what I want. They don't care that you didn't have a cell phone growing up. Little Susie down the street got a cell phone, so they want a little cell phone. This is what you're trying to say. 
Children are only in life because, because this is just the way it is. They want what they want. Look, kids, when they holler and cry and scream, see, that's why I thank God for our King's Kids ministry. They do a phenomenal job. And, and, and this month is 17 years of vocational ministry for me. And in 17 years, there's only one ministry in church I ain't never been in, and that's children's ministry. Now, that's because my philosophy of raising children is Bible-based. The Bible says, tell them what to do. So all that crying, what you crying for? What, 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 what is the problem? Well, they just woke up from a nap. Well, I don't do that when I wake up from naps, so I don't understand what the problem is. That's the problem, all these naps. So I thank God they do an awesome and incredible job, and, 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 and they do a wonderful job. Because if, if it was me, it just, it would just, mm-mm. But I guarantee your kids would be the smartest kids in their class. They'd be the most orderly kids. Your, ki- your little son be going to, going to school in a suit talking about good morning, ma'am. <laughs> Have a briefcase with him talking about I'm here to handle some business. What's she talking about? <laughs> How about this? How about you do the test and I, and we can talk about it. How about that? They'd be negotiating. <laughs> Now, here's my point. Here's my point. Paul said, when I became a man, he said, when I chose to leave just trying to get out of life what I can get out of it for me, I put away acting like a child. I stopped crying when it didn't go my way. I stopped throwing a temper tantrum when it doesn't go my way. I stopped disappearing from folk because they didn't play according to the way I wanted them to play. I st- oh, y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. I, I, I stopped talking about folk because they didn't do it. I stopped this. I stopped that. Paul said, I, when I became a man, he said, I chose to grow up. It has nothing to do with your chronological disposition. It has to do with your psychological disposition. Because I know some folk that's got a lot of chronological disposition that's just as childish. And then I know some 15, 16, 17-year-olds in our student ministries that just as mature. You got grown folk. Well, since they didn't put me on this door over here, I just don't know. I'm, I'm not serving today. You child. You better say amen because I'm, I'm not. Now, 915 pushed me to the edge. So now if y'all want to play, come on. <laughs> Here's my point. Some things we pray away. Some things we put away. Say, Lord, show me what to put away. You don't pray away bad relationship decisions. You put them away. And in 17 years, every time I call, people come bishop, you know, premarital and all this. And in 17 years, actually a little bit longer than 17 years, I've not called a relationship wrong. If I said it wasn't working, it wasn't working. And then so people get into this thing, but they got to prove to me, like, we're going to make it work. I'm like, you ain't proving nothing. I don't care. (laughs) I'm fine. I I didn't get excited about nothing and get married to it. Uh, and so that's funny. Laugh. Amen. No, that's hilarious. I think that's hilarious. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Now, Bishop, what are you trying to say? Is that sometimes people would be like, well, you know, we're just going to force it. We're going to make it work. We're going to make it work. We're going to make it do this. We're going to make it do that. We're going to make it do this. We're going to make it do that. And, here, and here's the issue with it. You don't pray away making bad decisions for relationships. You put them away. Which means, now, we just finished a whole series about relationship revolution. About here are the stages you follow so you can do it God's way. 
Now, here's what some people did when they heard that. They heard that like, that's really nice. But I got my own process. Okay. Good luck with that. Because you don't break the process. The process breaks you. Now, here's what I'm trying to say. We're sitting there saying, Lord, just Lord this, Lord this, Lord that. You know what you need to know. Okay, let me move on because y'all don't like me dealing with relationships. Let's move on. No, let's move on. <laughs> no, move on. Okay, we don't have to pray away bad financial decisions. We put them away. It's real simple. If you make $1,000 a month and the car is going to be 800 that ain't your car. There it is. I ain't got to pray, Lord, if this is your will. Make, no, it's not. I can assure you. <laughs> It is not. It's not. That's your answer. It's just not. It's, well, I'm just going to believe God. Okay. All right. Okay. When they come take it. Okay. Let's, let's just pray you through. Because that's not a wise decision. You can't spend 80% of your income on a car. It's quiet in here, y'all. I, I, my God today, I tell you, I, y'all get my car ready now. I'm just going to be like Batman and just soon I walk off the stage and gone. Okay, since, since we're not getting it, let's move to another example. You don't pray away. You don't pray away what you can put away. I don't have to pray away what I can put away. Because sometimes I'm like, Lord, just, just Lord, just take so-and-so out of my life. I got an answer for you too. Quit calling them. Won't it do it, y'all? Won't it do it? Lord, just show me who's my friends and who's my enemies. Well, you call them for the, the birthday, the Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, uh, 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 first of the year, first of the month, baptism day, and they don't never call you. I think you found out what you're dealing with. Now, I'm just curious as to what you're confused about. I don't have to pray that away. I can put it away. Parents, if you're giving issues with your children, obeying your local, state, and federal laws, Lord, just, Lord, just help me with my kids. I got some help. Anybody know the help I'm talking about? Because I don't understand how they talk crazy to you and still have a phone, still have their own room, still get to hang out. So, the Bible already tells you what to do about that. See, some things we pray away, some things we put away. Say, Lord, Lord, show me me what to put away. I got to move because I'm almost out of time. Hence number two, you must believe in God. Now, that's pretty straightforward, right? Anybody believe in God in here? All right, awesome. Now, I I, I submit to you because you came to church today, something in you believes that in the beginning, God. But now, I got an announcement for you. Your life isn't about you. Now, now watch this. Oftentimes, our lives lack the structure or systems that support our profession of belief in God or our love for God. You ever heard somebody tell you, I asked somebody this yesterday, I said, because uh, I was teaching about the systems thing. I said, let me tell you something. I said, uh, have you ever told somebody you loved them and you didn't? Now, let's be honest. You're at Harvest. Ain't nobody going to judge you. You ever said to somebody, I love you because they said it? And they're like, I love you. And you're like, I love you too. 
Now, if you sit next to who you did that to, just look straight ahead at me. Now, here's the point. Here's the point. Here's the point. Because those words, watch it, because those words didn't, because those words, watch this. Touch and say, watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Because those words, when you said them, you didn't have a system behind them to support them. You just said them. What happens is now when you say them to others, their power is diluted because you use it so carelessly that there's no system behind it to support it. There's no structure behind it. I can't tell you how many Bishop, I love you and love is really cold for I love what you do for me. I learned that through the years. Y'all learned me well. I figured that one out. I, I, I learned it. Because the thing is, I learned it. <laughs> Won't he do it? So some people, some people are like, I can't understand why my friend did that. They said they loved me. They tell a lot of people that. If there's no system or structure behind it to support it, it's just words. Now, Mr. what are you trying to say? Mr. what are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? Oftentimes, we can say we love God, but do the systems in life we have support that profession and, belief, and, and that belief? What you believe is discovered in what you do. All right? If you believe you're going to be the head not to tell, you'll live that way. If you believe you're supposed to be triumphant, you'll live that way. If you believe you're more than a conqueror, you'll live that way. But check this out. If you really believe in God, he should be first. Say first. first. And putting him first means you make what's important to him important to you. So that means our lives should be about his will, not about ours. Say, my life is about his will, not mine. If you study the Bible, the people God often used were the people who didn't actually sign up. Moses didn't sign up, but he got chosen. All those names I just listed, many of them didn't sign up. Rahab was busy running her brothel. She just, she just handling business. She was stacking her paper. But the Lord chose her to be the way that Joshua would be able to take and subdue the city. Now, what you're trying to say? She didn't sign up, but she was picked. Okay, Moses didn't sign up, but he was chosen. What I found out about God is oftentimes, and I need to talk to somebody in here, when, when you're like, well, I didn't really sign up for that, I'm going to tell you, you're probably the one he wants. For those of you sitting up in here, I don't, I'm not really into all that. I'm not really into that. God's like, mm-hmm, I want you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Jacob was just happy being alive. He was happy with it. The Lord chose him. Are you all hearing what I'm saying? Now, now, now watch this. Watch this. Look what Jesus says. John 5.30. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will but the will of the Father who sent me. Which means, watch this. Please understand. Uh, uh, when you seek the will of the one that sent you. Say, I seek the will of the one who sent me. Now, now, please understand this. Please understand. Which means I live my life then in such a way that it is not about what I want anymore. It is about what does he want. Oftentimes we do stuff in life. Well, I want to do this. 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 I want to. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever asked God, what do you want? Because when you ask him what you want, you won't waste a lot of time doing what you want to only discover that what you want wasn't right. 
It's real quiet in here. Uh, many men in prison uh, uh, turn to Islam to provide a structure for their lives, to change the system of their lives. In fact, I've talked to many over the years, and I've discovered that many don't even fully subscribe to the tenets of Islam, but they practice its structures. They don't believe in Allah. They just like the fact that, Allah, that according to their teaching of it, uh, that Allah tells them, you better pray to me five times a day. I'm going to cut you. I'm embellishing. <laughs> but, but, you know... <laughs> Now, Islam has five main pillars. I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, profession, they pray five times a day. Uh, in Islam, uh, the way they do their tithe is that 2.5% 2, 2. of the value of everything they own is their tithe. Not just their income, but everything they own. So if they own a, a, a Cadillac Escalade, all right, got it? So then two point, <laughs> you know, that's how you. If they have a Mercedes or whatever it is they have, 2.5% of whatever they have, whatever they own, is, is in some Muslim countries, it's even taxed. So they take the tithe off the top. They fast during the month of Ramadan, and then they all take a pilgrimage to Mecca. Now, check this out. Uh, what I have seen is that, I was telling them this morning in the first experience, that uh, years ago I, I had a gentleman that uh, was, I was working with, and this particular gentleman, uh, he was a Muslim, and he was very, very devout. He brought his prayer rug in and his, his washing bowl, and he brought all this stuff in. He had his hat on and the whole nine, and uh, I, don't, I don't know the nomenclature they use for it. And, and, and he had that whole thing on, and, I mean, and he was adamant. We could be in a meeting, and if it was his prayer time, he'd poke out the meeting and go pray. And, and, and I thought, so he just get to lead a meeting, huh? He just finna just walk up out the meet. We are in a meeting. He was so devout. And, and here's the point I'm making. He was so committed to his love, watch this, for what he believed to be God, which we know because we can read the Holy Script that that ain't God. He was so committed, though, that he said, I'm not conforming to you. You're going to conform to me. God needs some Christians and some believers that say, I'm not conforming to the world. The world is going to conform to me. You, you know what? There are Jews that will take off days because they'll say it's a holy day and I'm not coming to work because this is my religious right to not come this day. Yet you got Christians that won't do that. Why? Because somehow, some way, we've not built systems that support what we espouse to believe. So, 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 so they have these five pillars. Say five pillars. As Christians now, we have three main pillars. A lot, lot simpler. Um, say structure. It's found in Matthew 22, 37 through 39. They were asking Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, you should love your Lord, your God, with all your mind, soul, and strength. He says, but the second one is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. Three components here. He says, you'll love God. Say, love God. Love God. Then it says, you'll love your neighbor. Say, love people. And then he says, as yourself, love life. Check, check this out. Please understand, I've already told on this a little bit in this series, but I want to bring it back to us so we get it. And I know uh, some of you, if you've heard these things, like, okay, I've heard that, but I need to make sure that you get it in bed in your spirit. What I've discovered, and we have a lot of educators at Harvest, is that redundancy is the teacher's best friend. The best teachers know that they have to say the same thing over and over again different ways to make sure their students get it. All right, so, so, so we're covering some stuff we've talked about in this series, but I want to make sure that we get it. Uh, so if God, watch this, since I love him, I should put him first. Since I believe in him, I should put him what? First. So my life should have structure and systems that put him first. All right, so we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that if God is first, he should get our thirst. Say thirst which is prayer. Now, we learn as Christians, we don't wait for the day to come to pray. We pray the night before. It's called commanding your day. I've taught on that before. You got to get the CD, commanding your year. Job 38, 12, have you commanded your morning since the days began and caused the dawn to know its place? If you prayed about Sunday this morning, it's too late. Sunday was set. So when should we be praying about Monday? Tonight? 
When should we be praying about Tuesday? Monday night. When should we have prayed about today? Last night. If you're praying about today, by the time the day gets here, you, you are violating the order of God. But God, the next day starts the evening prior. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All right, so you should do that. Uh, so this is part of our thirst. This is our system, which means I got to pray, which means I, I got to tell some people I can't talk to you right now because I got to pray, which means I got to tell some, I can't watch that. T- I'll put it on the DVR, but I can't watch that right now because I've got to pray. It's part of my system. It's part of my struggle. It means you ain't keeping me out all night because I got to pray. But then we fast. Say fast. All right, so we should routinely fast at least once per week. Got it? The church, but the church ain't calling a fast. Well, listen, you need God to do some stuff in your life. So you have to wait until the church calls a fast. You can fast on your own. Touch your neighbor and say, fast on your own. And by the way, a fast is not, well, I didn't watch the movie all day today. I fasted. No, you didn't. You just didn't watch a movie. That ain't fasting. Fasting needs to alter your diet, which means you stopped eating. Touch your neighbor and say, put it down. Put that sausage down. Put them potatoes down. Put them chitlins down. Put that macaroni and the cheese down. Put it down. All right? So we should fast. Say fast. All right? Got it? We should worship. And part of our worship means we give God what he's worth. And in all of that, I encourage you to get the Harvest Bible app so that you can listen to the Bible uh, every day. It'll be read to you. The app will read the Bible to you. Ain't that something? As human, as Americans, we, have got, we need the Bible. But I like it. I'm going to be honest with you. I like it to read to me. I'll put that thing on, and then all of a sudden, it'll be a move in my mind. The pictures will start coming. And then when they change the voices between the different people, some of you listen to the app, they change the voice between the different people, like, oh, somebody else talking now. Who that? I, I, now, because somebody said, but Bishop, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. But we have an app that's totally free to where you can give God worship and you can study his word and you can receive his word. Don't try to be super Christian and read 400,000 scriptures a day and all that. Don't try to do all that. That's too much. You're drinking out of a fire hydrant, so you're, not, you're going to get very little water. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So he should get our thirst, and he should get our time. Say time. time. All right, which means we should come to church. And we make our lives fit church, not fit church into our lives. Okay, that's God's way. I've taught on that before. We got to get that because a lot of times we think, well, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just resting. Today. Yeah, I'm just going to take a break today. All right, well then I, okay, well then let's try this. So let him take a break on answering your prayer. Let him take a break on waking you up. He wanted to rest. Got it? You'd be mad as all heaven. It's real quiet up in here. Uh, please understand, a lot of people like to think that, but I got my own relationship with Jesus, and I just do Jesus at home. I have church at home. That's out of order. That's not Bible. You're out of order. You can't do that. You ain't having church. You're having a seance. That's witchcraft. Then he should get our treasure, which means we should give. Touch your name and say give. give. All right. I've taught on that before. Then he should get our talent, which means we should serve. But I want to add this distinction. We should serve with excellence. Say excellence. excellence. Since he gave us his life, what makes us think our life is more important than his? So every time we say, Lord, I'm not the servant type, what we're saying is, is I really think what I'm doing is more important than what you're doing, God. So good luck. And what you seem to think is a few things. Touch your neighbor and say, don't be arrogant. Now, now, please understand, everybody's the serving type. Does anybody say, you're the serving type? Now, this is what he means, serve. Go to the Red Cross. That's nice, but he said serve in his church. This is his church, so this here is where you serve. Now, now, now let me make some things real clear. Uh, 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 God, please understand, he, he likes to use you. He doesn't need you. He likes you. He loves you. 
Look at the neighbor and say, he loves you. Now, this is important to understand because sometimes Christians, I remember I heard a very popular person, um, I'm going to call their name, a very, very popular person, very popular person. I say the name, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Very popular, popular person. And they said they were sitting in church one day and the preacher got up and the preacher said, God is a jealous God. And they said, I just don't know why he'd be jealous of me. And I thought, child, ooh, you misinterpreted what he said. God, listen, now you got some money, but please understand he don't need not a thing you got. He likes you. He loves you. He doesn't need you. Now, that's an important distinction. Why, Bishop? Because sometimes when people think that, that it can't happen without them, that the Lord has to bring a new monkey in to teach them that previous monkeys don't stop a show. All right, it's quiet in here. All right, say, I should serve with excellence. It's a privilege to serve, y'all. It's a privilege to use our lives for Jesus. That's why I salute our dream team who does an excellent job. They're here early and they stay late because they believe that serving Jesus as a privilege. Would you give our dream team a great big hand? They make harvest happen. I didn't turn this mic on. Somebody serving with excellence did. I didn't turn these lights on. Somebody serving with excellence did. I didn't turn the camera on. Somebody serving with excellence did. I didn't set your chair out. Somebody serving with excellence did. Now, Jeremiah 48.10 says this. I'm reading the New Living Translation. It says, Cursed are those who refuse to do the Lord's work, who hold back their swords from shedding blood. In this particular context, they were talking about God said, I need y'all to go fight and do this fight. And some people are like, well, I'm not doing that. I'm just not going to fight. I don't feel like all that. And, and so the prophet said, I'll tell you what then. Cursed be you. And the word deceitfully, look at this. The word deceitfully means who do the Lord's work lazily or slack. Touch the said, this is serious business. Okay, this is more than just handing somebody a pamphlet. This is serious business. It's the Lord's work. Amen. All right, la- la- last hinge, hinge number three. So hinge number one is what? Big doors swing on small hinges. Hinge number two is? You must believe in God. Hinge number three is? Here it is. You must believe that God believes in you. Amen. You must believe that God believes in you. Say, God believes in me. Now, 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 hear me. Now, hear me. Depending on how you grew up and how you come up, um, you maybe don't know that. Maybe you were taught God is mad. Anybody ever been taught God is just mad? You ever thought he's just angry? Sinners in the hands of an angry God. He just mad. The Lord, he's just mad. That's why they have no them hurricane, because he's mad. So all these earthquakes, because he's mad. So all these typhoons, because he's mad. Please understand. If, if he wants you to get a message, he don't have to send in your endo. He doesn't have to imply. He can be very direct and say, if he got a problem with you, he can come real close to you and say, look at here. I got a problem with you. Now, check this out. Check this out. Say, God believes in me. Now, watch this. The Apostle Paul, and we're turning up fifth gear. I can do all things. How many things can you do? Say, I can In other words, I have the ability to do everything, which means whatever I got in front of me that looks bigger than me and looks like I don't have the strength and looks like I don't have the expertise and looks like I don't have the know-how and looks like I don't have the skill, I can. Somebody shout, I can. I can do all things through Christ. Notice it wasn't Christ doing it. It was Paul doing it. But Paul said, I believe that he believes in me. 
Ah, you ain't understand what I'm saying. Uh, uh, say, I believe, I believe that God, that God believes, in believes in me. Now, 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 check this out. Check this out. Most bad decisions that we make in life are from not knowing what we're here for. But we don't know what we're here for. We'll make poor decisions. And, and we'll do it because we actually think we have time to waste. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? I told him this morning, uh, the story I was watching about uh, uh, a gentleman who, I think he had like 30-something kids, 36 kids, 38 kids, something like that. I mean, let's just round up for the sake of the discussion, 40. It was 34. 34 kids and by 17 different women. So an average of two, you know, about two kids or so per woman, uh, you know, somewhere right around that average. Now, here's my point. Uh, when, when the person sat down with him and talked to him and said, listen, um, hey, um, did you ever think that maybe after like 10 you should stop? Like 20? No, no thoughts? And then he said this. He said, I'm not ashamed of what I made. And then, and then the, the, the person talking to him, you know, they, 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 they got the spirit of Bishop Foreman on them. So they said back to him, uh, but they ashamed of you. Because you can't adequately father 34 children. Even if you, we did the math this morning, so let's just do it again so we're all on the same page because we're very erudite individuals. If you gave each child $100 a month, got it? With 34 children, that's $3,400 a month for $100 a child. Now, you and I both know that the court systems is going to require a bit more than $100 a month. So we calculated he'd get like a $3 check every two weeks, something like that, had they taken him. Here's the whole point I was making. I wasn't being critical of his life because we all make, we all do things. We all have issues. I wasn't being critical there. You don't even know what I'm talking about. What I was doing is this, is making a point that because he didn't know why he was here, he, he decided that the best thing he could do was just have babies. And he didn't put any, insu- any, any effort in trying to raise them or, or trying. As a matter of fact, he sat down with some of the kids that were teenagers and said, you know, I wasn't there, I wasn't there, but you know, it's a lot. This is what he told one of his kids. He said, it's a lot of things I did a lot of men wouldn't do. And one of the girls said, <laughs> she said, um, you're not doing me a favor. Let me just go ahead and talk to the men in the house, okay, and the mothers too. You're not doing your children a favor by raising them. You played, so now you got to pay. Now, if you didn't want to pay, you shouldn't have played. You're not doing them a favor. I take care of my kids. You're supposed to. I see my kids. You're supposed I make sure my kids have school clothes. That's your reasonable service. What do you think? They were going to have to go to school? Is it going to download it in their brain? Now, 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 that works both ways. Here's my whole point. Say, say, Lord, Lord tell me yeah. what I'm here for. You know why people, you know why people get drunk? And I'm not judging you if that's, if that's, if that's something you used to deal with. I'm just trying to make a point. It's because you actually thought you, you had time to waste. You know why people get addicted to stuff? Because they actually think they have time to waste. I've discovered something. When people are busy doing what they were sent here to do, they don't have time for drama. They don't have time for... Who am I preaching to? When you finally figure out what you're... What you're here, everybody else talking this little low talk, and you're saying, but I know for what reason I have been sent, and I will not be distracted by this little penny-ante stuff. 
So when you, when you figure out what you're here for, say, I know why I'm here. Now, you might be saying that by faith because you might not know. In fact, in between the experiences, I got tweets. Somebody said, I don't, they don't know. Uh, all right, all right, so, so, so check this out. Check, check this out. You may not know, but I need you to declare that you do know. Call things that be not. Say, I know why I'm here. All right, and so until you discover that, come here, Elisha's. Let me leave that alone. 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 Uh, uh, you, you know why people do drugs? All right? Because they think they have time to waste. And I'm not just talking about Bishop, I've never done drugs. I've never smoked for Mary Jane. Let me tell you something. <laughs> nope. You on the DD, the Dunkin' Donuts. That's what you on. <laughs> it's quiet in the church. Because you think you have time to waste. You actually, you actually think you got time. I'm just partying right now. I'm going to get serious about Jesus one day. You actually think that's your time to waste. Bishop, why? Now, I'm going to take us on a journey, and, and I don't know that you get it predicated upon your response. Here's why your life isn't about you. Success. Say success. Who wants to succeed? Okay. Here's the problem, though. Here's the problem, though. You spiritual. You know what it means. Your neighbor don't even know what success looks like. Because they think success is, well, I got a big car, I got a big house, I got 2.3 children because I live in 814 or whatever your zip code is. I'm successful. Got it? I got a Gucci bag. I'm successful. I got a, I got a this. I'm successful. I got a this. I'm successful. But, but that's not what the Bible calls success. Now, I'm not saying you can't have stuff. No, 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 please understand. The scripture says, I pray above all things that you be shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking, all is well. But, but check this out. T- test your neighbor say, let me tell you what success is. John 6, 38. I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Uh, there was one time where Jesus was hungry. Say he was hungry. And, uh, 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 and they were getting ready to eat. They were getting ready to have lunch. And so Jesus' staff came to him and said, Jesus, what do you want to eat? And Jesus was like, uh, I already ate. And they're like, well, Jesus, what did you eat? We didn't, we didn't bring you no food. Who brought you some food? It's then Mary, ain't it? Mary, she always be usurping that chain of command. Did she bring you something in Tupperware? How did she did that to you? Lord, we didn't, we didn't authorize nobody bringing you nothing to eat. How did you eat? And Jesus says, you don't get it. I don't eat what you eat. Jesus says, he was teaching them a lesson. Jesus says, my bread is to do the will of the one who sent me. So Jesus said, I get fulfilled when I do what I'm told. I'm here to tell somebody the reason you feel so empty is because you keep trying this, trying this, trying this, trying this, trying this, trying that. But you feel empty because you ain't been eating the right bread. I feel it here. (laughs) But if you'll find out why you're here and start doing what it is you were sent here to do, you won't lack anymore. You'll be full. Touch your neighbor and say you'll be full. Here's why your life isn't about you. Here's why it's not about you. I'm almost through. I'm almost through. I'm getting ready to close. (laughs) no here's what's funny (laughs) no here's what's funny (laughs) no that wasn't the funny okay (laughs) no that wasn't the funny part amen amen that's okay amen everybody say amen Amen. say say la you don't even know what you just said (laughs) say la means summing up god you said it i believe it that settled it it means lord i agree with what you said all right check this out Look at John 6.30. I'm going to show you something. I'm going to tell you why, 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 why your life, I'm going to talk to somebody, you've had to fight certain battles and you, and you got angry about those battles. I'm going to tell you for some of you why you felt like, like you felt like using a movie um, when the color of that movie was purple because you felt like my whole life I had to fight and I'm so sick of people doing wrong by me and all this here. Uh, watch this. 
John 6, 38. For I have come down where? From heaven. Jeremiah says, before I formed you in your mother's womb. Which means even if she didn't intend on having you. God says, I'll use a jacked up situation. Because before I formed you in the womb, I what? I knew you. Well, for you to know him, you'd have to be with him, which tells us that before you got here to earth, you were with God in heaven. And when you were released by virtue, can I just give you a little bi biology lesson? When you were released in that sperm, God put your spirit in that sperm. And God said, watch this, before you ever got here, you beat a million. You ain't hearing what I'm saying. If any other sperm would have fertilized that egg, you wouldn't be here. So God said, I need you here, and I need you here right now. You was a strong swimming little thing before you got here, and you beat a million before you got here. So why are you tripping over a little this and a little that when you beat a million before you came out the womb? Just your neighbors, I already beat a million. Before you even got here, you beat a million. Watch this. So now, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. And when you were born, regardless of the circumstances behind that birth, I sent you to be born for such a time as this. But I didn't send you down there to do your thing. I sent you down there and come here because some of y'all trying to figure out why you still in Denver. I sent you here and I put you in Denver. You know what Denver means? It means valley that was once green. I set you in a valley. I'm going to preach to somebody. But I put you in a suburb called Aurora. You know what that means? Phenomena. I'm going to help somebody here. God says, I put you in a place where it may look like a valley, but you're getting ready to be a phenomenon. That's When people look at you, it won't make sense how you beat what you beat. But touch your neighbor say, baby, I'm a phenomenon. Yes, I am. Yeah, it don't even make sense why my life is this good after all the hell I've done. But I'm a phenomenon. I wish somebody would act like you believed them. I had to be born. I had to be here because I was created to be a phenomenon. You know another word for phenomena? Epic. Somebody shout epic. So watch this. Be seated. I'm almost through. He didn't send you here to just have babies. He didn't send you here to just pay bills. He didn't send you here just so you can do what you want to do. He sent you here on an assignment. Because the Bible teaches us that whenever there's a problem in the earth, God creates and sends a person to fix it. You are the answer to a problem. I need to lift your thinking up. You keep thinking you are the problem. I need to elevate your mindset. You are not the problem. You are the answer to a problem. And what you're currently facing, God says, I need you to figure that out. And I need you to press through that. Because there's somebody else that needs to hear that if they can be placed in a valley that they can make it to. It's some other single mama that needs to hear that you can do this thing. It's some other man that needs to be able to. You cannot become.
what you do not behold. God needs you to come up out of that valley so you can show some other man. If he did it, if he did it for me, won't he do the same Somebody needs to know you can be stabbed in the back and get up and keep on walking. Somebody needs to know you can be betrayed but keep on walking. Somebody needs to know you can lose everything but start all over. I'm here to tell somebody God needs you to get on your assignment. Touch your neighbor and say, get on your assignment. I said, I said, I didn't send you there. Be seated. I'm almost done. Y'all, y'all rush me when you stand. But it's cool that you stand. That's, that's why I tell you to stand. It's funny. You stand when I'm preaching. And then when I say everybody stand. <laughs> and whenever you sit next to somebody, just help them out. Just, come on. They don't know. They're from Denver. They don't know. Uh, I sent you here on an assignment. And please understand, I could have sent anybody. I don't need you. I want you. Let me talk over here because they ain't saying nothing over here. God doesn't need you. If you don't do your part, he'll raise somebody else up. He sent you because he said, I want you. See, I know that he loves me, but I need somebody to know he likes you too. He don't just love you, baby. He likes you too. And I know the thoughts, I feel it here, that I have towards you to give you a future and a hope and an expected end. I don't just love you, baby. I like you. I want you. Touch your neighbor and say, he wants you. He could have sent anybody. But he decided on the day you were born, and he decided even in the bloodline you were born in, I don't care how jacked up or messed up it is, he decided you're the one that's got what it takes to get this bloodline straight. You're the one that's got what it takes to break these curses. You're the one that's got what it takes to break poverty in your family. You're the one that's got what it takes. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm the one. Touch the other one. Say, I was the wrong one. Touch the other one and say, I'm the one. See, I need to let you know uh, you believe in God, but you need to know that God believes in you. Yes, he does. He, he believes in you. Matter of fact, he says, I've been thinking about you all day. I've been thinking about you all year, trying to figure out how to get you where I've ordained for you. What's this? Because you believe in God, that's nice. But you need to know that he believes in you. Say so he believes in me. So now watch this, watch this, because some of you, some of you right now, I just finna pop. If I drop the mic, that's y'all's cue to come sing something. Mr. Why are you finna pop? Because, because, because. Holy Ghost just said, he said, son, you just, you just saved somebody's life. I don't know whose it was. 
Uh, I, I really don't even know. I, I really don't even know. So can I finish this? I need four minutes to finish it. And that's a literal four minutes. I don't even need preaching for. Knowing why you're here. And if you just say, I know I'm here. Now, please understand, we'll create systems that support that. I was telling them this morning, there's a family I studied. I like to study biographies. And there's a family I studied. In this study, uh, this family, what they do is they train their sons and the men in their family, they train them to be politicians. And they raise, hear me, presidents. I ain't going to call a name, but you can use deductive logic. They're one of the few that had multiple but I discovered something. I, I, I did some research. And, and from the research I did, they, they, they trained their men to be leaders. So while the other little boys out there doing this little, little stuff over here, they're like, oh, no, you ain't doing that. We're, watch this. We're creating a system and a structure that supports why you're here. See, some of you, you got a little angry because you felt like some of the friends you came up with got to do more than you and got to do this and got to do that. You better thank God that your mama or your daddy or your grandmama or whoever kept you over here and said, no, nah, you ain't going with them. No, nah, you ain't messing with that. No, nah, you ain't doing that. Because at the end of the day, they saw something on you and God said, I'm going to send them to be a system. Of what. No, you can't fit in with them. Stop trying. And you, my, my sis, my, my sis, and they raise presidents, they, they, they raise politicians, and, and they create a system because they say, we, our bloodline is here to run stuff. That's the underlying mindset, has to be. So we produce leaders. So one of them, I was, I was doing some studying, and uh, I didn't talk to this person direct, so that's why I'm not using names, stuff like that, because, you know, sometimes research, just because just you read it on research don't mean it's true. I didn't talk to him, but this is what they said, um, is that when he was a little kid, they started teaching him Spanish because they forecasted that the nation was going to move in the direction of more Spanish-speaking individuals. You missed it. Why would a Caucasian young man need to learn Espanol unless he was going to be in a place where him knowing that, he needed the system of that so that he'd be able to lead? Can I tell you what God's doing in your life? God is stripping the systems that do not work and that do not have anything to do with why you're not here. And God is saying, I am placing new systems in place that support why you're here. Now watch this. I, this last scripture, I'm through. Y'all okay? You sure? Are we getting it? All right, that'll work for me. I, now see, I can work with that. John 18.10, this is Jesus talking. Or this is a story about Jesus. Jesus has just been betrayed. Say betrayed. betrayed. And Jesus told Judas, he said, do what you must do quickly. Or is Jesus like, hurry up, boy, because you're finna make me angry. Right. And watch this. John 18, 10. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant. Check this out, y'all. Uh, they came to try to get Jesus. Just they said they tried to get Jesus. And you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, I tell you what, I, I want you... Uh, 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 to do what you got to do quickly, Judas. But, but Peter's like, no, nah, y'all ain't finna mess with Jesus. So Peter takes out his sword and cuts the high priest's servant, cuts his right ear off. Now, watch this. What that tells me is Peter was aiming for the man's face because the man turned his head. That's how he got his ear. 
Do you understand this? Which means if Jesus wanted to get out of going to Calvary, this would have been a perfect opportunity to get out. Would you agree? Peter chopped the man's ear. Jesus could have been like, let's go, man, let's go. And they could have been gone. You understand? Got it? But Jesus, look at what Jesus says. Next verse. Next verse. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword away. Now notice, it wasn't somebody else's sword. It was Peter's sword. I said this morning, which tells us Peter had thug in him. Don't y'all look at me like you don't know what thug is. Thug is not a racial or ethnic thing. Thug is a mentality thing. I'd met some Hasidity thugs. They look real nice, sophisticated, and very bourgeois, but they got thug all in them. Let me translate, because some of y'all think thug means negative. At the root word, come on here, let's do some etymology of the word. It just means a fighter. So Peter was like, uh-uh, you ain't going to be messing with Jesus. And, and look at what Jesus says to Petey. He says, Petey, shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? He says, this, this, shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Now, what does the cup represent? His will. Shall I not take his will simply because you gave me a way out? But Jesus knew what he was here for. So it changed. Because he could have pulled rank. He could have said, you know what? I'm not even, I'm God. I'm not, I'm not doing this. Nope, not going to do it. Cut the other ones too. And then get Judas too. Get, now leave him for me. Jesus could have Nino Brown uh, Judas. Could have brought him in the boardroom, had the Rottweilers the whole nine. Stabbed him in the hand the whole nine. To be honest, I would have preferred that scene. You're like, get him, just get him. Get, get. Stab him too. Get him good too. He's in up here lying on you. You know what Jesus says? Let me take you from another movie. I like movies. Uh, Ike told Tina, eat the cake anime. I can't want no cake. Eat the cake anime. Let me, let me just make it so you get it. Look at the verse, 1811. Because some of y'all right now, you're complaining about stuff in your life. You're complaining about the hand you've been dealt. You're complaining about the cup you've been served. And you're complaining about the cake in front of you. Watch this. Jesus said, shall I not do what I was sent here to do? I was sent here to die. And if I don't die, Peter, then the whole world is going to die and go to hell. So I've got to do this for you. He says, shall I not, come here, Ike, eat the cake that I've been served? Bishop, what are you trying to tell me? I'm closing right here because I'm out of time. Whatever hand you've been dealt, it may not be good. Whatever circumstances you're facing, they may not look good. Whatever issues you've got to work your way through, they may not be good. But can I tell you, if it's the hand you've been dealt, rather than complaining about it, play it and play it well. Why can I do that, Bishop? Because you don't just believe in God. God believes in you. So whatever cake you've been served, eat the cake, anime. Whatever situation you got to press through, eat the cake, anime. If you got to fight every day, well, get up and fight. Eat the cake, anime. High five your neighbors. Say, eat the cake.
Well, if this, if that, if this, if that, nah, it didn't even happen. Eat the cake. You know why Jesus was able to do it? I'm trying to tell you how you're going to be able to fight going forward. Is because your systems have to change to fit why you're doing it. We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Ah. Feel the woe with Listerine at BJ's. You can save $2.50 now on Listerine products like Total Care Anti-Cavity Fluoride Fresh Mint Mouthwash or Cool Mint Pocket Packs Fresh Breath Strips at your nearest BJ's location. Experience the feeling of a million germs zapped in seconds with Listerine. Discount available through December 24th. Save now only at BJ's. 